out there in podcast land. This is episode four of Pock Talk. First of all, I'd just like to say thank you all uh, for all the support and all the feedback and all the comments that we've been getting since our launch last week, uh, particularly to those of you who have uh, uh, subscribed and shared and rated us on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, those things really count. For those of you who don't know, uh, the first six weeks of, of a podcast are really crucial because they help with exposure. And uh, you know, it takes a combination of, of um, subscriptions and reviews and ratings uh, to really propel the, the show forward and you know, help us get us that exposure on these platforms. So thank you for those of you that have done so already. And if you haven't, it literally takes 90 seconds. Just write anything you want. Just hit five stars and you can write like, I don't know, this podcast is cool or something or, you know, whatever, doesn't matter. In this episode, we get down and dirty with Zarina Guerrero and my good friend, Veronica. Vero's actually the connective tissue between me and Zarina. She introduced me to Zarina's blog a while ago and helped me reach out to her to get her on the show. And I'm so glad she did because now we can bring you this awesome content. We recorded this episode a while ago. I think it might have actually been the first episode that we recorded. So some of the stuff on here, you know, might sound a little bit dated. Uh, particularly Zarina's blog. It is now estiloyalma.com, not what is mentioned in the episode, but I'm not going to say it here because I don't want to confuse you. So if you haven't checked out her blog, please do so. Um, We talked about sustainable fashion, appropriation, and basically her whole life story. She's Mexican-American, but her family didn't cross the border. The border crossed her family. Whoa, yeah, I was mind blown too. Also, per Zarina's recommendation, check out Be Yellowtail. Uh, she's the fashion designer that we discuss on the show, and she's a good friend of Zarina's. Uh, who knows, maybe we'll bring her on one of these days. Uh, cross your fingers and email us if you want to hear her and tag her in our posts so maybe she sees us. Anyway, thanks again for joining us. I'm going to stop talking now and just get to it. Here we go. This is episode four of Pock Talk. Please tell me about yourself. I mean, yeah. All right. So uh, my name is Sarina Guerrero. Uh, I am currently, I've just launched my blog. I'm a sustainable fashion and um, ethical lifestyle blogger. I focus mostly on... Uh, sustainable fashion and um, issues in fashion, but also culture and identity and just, you know, kind of whatever I want to talk about. Uh, I'm also a graduate from Arizona State University and a current master's student at USC studying. When, when, are, when, um, when, are you, when are you done? Next year. Oh, okay. This is year. your first year? Yeah, second? my first year. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. So, Sorry, um, go ahead. And I'm studying uh, social entrepreneurship. Oh, nice. Yeah. <gasps> what is that? What All is right. That yeah, so social entrepreneurship. So that the a social enterprise is a company that is a for-profit enterprise but runs on a social mission. So um my roommate he he started one oh, and great. it actually have an episode on social yeah, enterprise yeah. on social enterprise. Yeah, so it's we're going to that's, that's, that's yeah, that's what we want to that's the next that's one of the topics that we have. Cool. Right so if you know anyone or if you want to jump yeah, on yeah. on it next time we'll mm-hmm. yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think it, like I said I think it's a wave of the future. It's it's the idea of blending, um, you know, for-profit business models with social change. How can we get our money out there to not only buy us the things that we want, but to support great causes and and really um, 
create businesses that have um, models of change ingrained in them and that promote sustainability and ethical choices and all of that. So. Like Tom's. Yeah. No, 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 not Tom's. I, I don't think, I think Tom's is more of a marketing scheme oh, than dang. it really is I heard, doing good. I actually heard, heard the, the CEO or the founder of Tom's on a podcast. And yeah. He sounded cool. I mean, but may, have, I don't know. Yeah. I think that they have a great idea. I think it's a great way to get people um, in. It's kind of like a introduction into social enterprise. Got it. But I think that um, they could be doing more uh, rather than having their shoes made in China. They could have their shoes made um, locally by artisans. Um, you know, that's the whole thing now is is charitable giving only goes so far. And pe- like... If you're giving people charity, they're not really having their own ways to sustain their own lifestyle, especially if you're giving away all these things. It's the same with clothing donations. You know, like people are always like, oh, my clothing donation does so much good because people have free clothes. But then it, it um, displaces a lot of local industries and doesn't really give artisans the opportunity to make a living. Rather, just takes away their livelihood. So I dig it. Um, you know, uh, let's let's go back to your upbringing. Sure. Well, yeah, tell me. Yeah, okay. Where, uh, yeah, yeah, what's your story? Give me your story. So I grew up in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Um, my mother is originally from Brazil. She immigrated to the U.S. when she was 16 to um, escape the dictatorship and uh, come to school in the U.S. And then my father is uh, Chicano, so on my dad's side, we've been in Arizona a very, very long time. We always say the border crossed us. Um, so in Arizona, in Arizona, yeah. So you know, we're we're native Arizonan, Mexican American culturally. Um, so, so you're sec- second generation. No, generation? no. You're so my mom's side, I'm first generation okay. American, but on my dad's side, we've been in Arizona for about uh, eight generations oh, now. Wow. So we go really deep. So uh, my grandfather was born in Arizona in 1912, which is the same year that Arizona became a state. So we've been in Arizona for a long time. Oh, you, yeah. You, yeah, your legacy is yeah. Arizona. That's so people always ask me what part of Mexico and I'm from. And I'm like, Arizona. Arizona. Like, we're, like we're from Arizona. You know, that's that's where we've been for a long time. Nice. So, mm-hmm. Nice. What, what states were left after that? Uh, Hawaii and Alaska. Oh, so it was literally yeah, the last state. Yeah, it was the last state in the oh, union. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, learned a little bit of history. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, it was actually, uh, it took so long to become a state because... Um, Geronimo and the Apaches really held down and did not want to give up the land. So for a long time, it took them a really, really long time to be able to um, complete the statehood. It was a territory for a while before that. For like 50 years, it was a, a territory, but it didn't actually become a state until what, 1912. What part, what part of Arizona are you from? So I'm from Mesa. Uh, it's right, about, right outside of Phoenix. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. L.A.? How'd you end up over uh, here? So I ended up over here because um, my oldest brother, uh, he's nine years older than me. He is a musician and has, you know, always been since he was a little boy. And he came out here um, about 10 years ago to pr- pursue music. So I spent a lot of my teenage years uh, coming out to L.A. and spending a lot of time with him. And, you know, the town that I'm from, Mesa, is... Uh, was actually named the number one most boring big mm-hmm. city in the country. Nice. Um, yeah, so there was never really it, a lot to do true? there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that why true. You left? That's why I left. Yeah. My parents are still there? My parents Good are friends. still there. You know, we they feel very rooted there. They took care of my tata who lived there for a long time. 
Um, they own their house. Um, my dad, who's also an artist, um, you know, he has his studio and his setup. So uh, they're not going anywhere. But you know, all the all their kids have since moved here to Los Angeles. So you know, they come and visit us when we go back home. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to move out here to to get more involved in um, creative industries, to get more involved in fashion, which I became very passionate about. Um, after studying human rights. Um, so I just wanted to get out here and, and see what LA could do for me and what I could do for the city. Cool. Yeah. And feel free to plug your brother if you want. Sure, yeah. yeah. You guys should check him out. Um, he His name is Quetzal Guerrero, but he goes by Q Violin. So, you know, just look up Q Violin. You'll, you'll hear his music. He does great stuff. Mix of we call it Afro-Cuban, Brazilian gypsy jazz. So if you're into the world music scene, you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. So I think you'll enjoy it. Like how was your decision process of where you wanted to be? Because I know coming as like, you know, you're from Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then I guess for us as LA natives, this is kind of like where we were born. Yeah. So I wonder how was your perspective when... You know, you come to a place like LA and you hear all these stories of different neighborhoods. Like, what was your process? Oh, and how do we depart yeah. from Arizona? That's, what That's really interesting. So, like, when we were first moving out here, like, you know, uh, Oscar and I, my boyfriend, we didn't really know where to look. And it was so different, just the cost of living, right? Like, I lived at home with my parents, but Oscar, um, he lived in Phoenix, in South Phoenix, and he was paying $250 a month for his rent, man. Like, so he, we moved out here and places wanted like twelve, fourteen hundred dollars for a one bedroom apartment. We were like, dang. And um, I guess, you know, we had a lot of, I, I think the same misconceptions that a lot of people have about Los Angeles, like, um, you know, don't live in South Central LA, don't live in Boyle Heights. You know, my brother was telling me, go look in the valley, go look in the valley. And I was like, I don't want to live out there. Where was your brother living? Uh, he, well, when he first moved out here, he lived in Sherman Oaks, but then he moved downtown. Yeah, yeah, he was in the valley. And I was like, it's super I out there too. It's very it is. Latino valley though, Sherman Oaks. Yeah, but I didn't want to live, I didn't want to do all that. I wanted to live in LA. Um, so then, you know, we had actually like looked at maps and we're like, dang, the only places that we can afford to live is South LA. Like, you know, that's, that's really it. And then when we started like looking around at different neighborhoods, we're like, wow, like Compton's a lot different than what we had heard about. And oh, wow, Inglewood's a lot different than what we had heard. Um, so, you know, we now we live in Lamert Park. We absolutely love it. I don't think that I'll ever want to leave until, you know, I can make the big moves, but uh, I think that, you know, the things you hear about L.A., especially the things you hear about specific neighborhoods, um, don't really match up to, like, what I see. You know, of course, there's there's still a lot of poverty and a lot of segregation in those areas, but there are still, there's a lot of families, and there's a lot of middle class, you know, hardworking people in those neighborhoods. So, I mean, if you're thinking about moving to LA, I say keep an open mind about all the neighborhoods because you might find a gem somewhere. That's true. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lamar Park is borderline uh, gentrified now. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It's coming. Like the, with the it's line coming. coming. Like it's, For sure. Like everything, everything, all the new development that's coming up now. If you just, we're, we're in Lamar Park. We're, we're, we're pretty much yeah. Lamar Park too. There's but you mean look at Inglewood. They're about to get that stadium. It's shifting, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. like. I mean, for anyone that's in the in business of mm -hmm. development or trying to just, you know, buy buy property, well, they already have the property. It's probably better. You know, most yeah. people. Another thing is, most people now are just they're just they're you know they they're buying. Everyone's buying now because it's it's cheap to buy, and everyone's. I mean, it was not cheap to buy; it's expensive. But um, 
But like the, most of the people that are, uh, it's not because they they want to live there. It's because they want to rent out. You know, yeah. They, 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 it's for a business. Well, yeah, you know? for sure. My landlord doesn't live in LA. My landlord lives in Pasadena, but he owns our property. Of course. So. How, many uni- how many units? <laughs> it's a, a four unit. Four units. Yeah. yeah but he got, has lots of properties. So. Yeah, we got, we got two units here. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. We, the only reason we stay, we're here is because it was cheap. Cheap, quote unquote. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, I want to get into the uh, the soul style sustainability. Yes. Uh, please tell me more about that. Is that your is that your mantra? Yeah, that's kind of like uh, I feel like soul style sustainability. That's what guides my work in the blog. So this blog came out of um, just kind of me wanting to have um, a space. Uh, to kind of tell people the things that um, I wanted to to share with the world. So as I mentioned earlier, um, I studied human rights as an undergraduate, human rights and social justice. Um, and I had kind of always been into fashion in, in the sense that like I liked wearing cute things and like buying new clothes. Um, but it wasn't until um, I was, you know, further along in my studies about my senior year that we actually did a segment about the fashion industry, um, mostly around um, slave labor and um, environmental pollution that is associated with the industry. Um, So then that's when I, it kind of clicked in my head, um, this is an industry that I take part in, that I'm a consumer of, that um, I like to express myself in that way. Um, and I'm also a person who cares about social justice and human rights. Um, and and it and at that point, like I had given up meat for environmental and social justice reasons. Like I started changing what, my what diet. Kind of meat? What, oh just, yeah, just, just red just, meat or you know, chicken or no 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 what? for yeah just meat. I stopped eating meat and then oh, I stopped eating. So you're a vegetarian. Uh, now I'm more flexible now that okay. I live with my brother and my boyfriend, but for about three years when I was, yeah, I get it, you know, but when <laughs> okay, I was living hey, in Brazil, I, I, you know, I didn't eat meat that whole time. And I, so I had d- done some things to like become more, um, ethical in my lifestyle. But then I realized that there was a disconnect in the choices that I was making on fashion, um, because it's like I was still supporting these fast fashion brands, but I care about human rights. So, how, like, that doesn't really. What were you wearing? You know, Forever 21, <laughs> H&M, Charlotte Russe. I was a college student, you know, I was buying what I could afford, you know? And I think. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, but I think that that's where a lot of us are, right? We're like, oh, I, I wear what I can afford to wear, I buy what I can afford to buy. Um, and at that time, that's what I could afford. Um, and then I, I realized that I wasn't living up to my values in that way and that I really wanted to um, make a difference. So when I moved out to LA, I knew that I wanted to work in, in sustainable fashion. Um, and then I just started learning more and more about the issues and the the human rights violations and all these different great ethical brands that were coming up. So I wanted, and then I started noticing the way I would tell people these things about fabrics and about pollution and about, um, you know, labor and the way people reacted were like, oh, I've never heard these things before. I never thought about who made my clothes or what it was made out of or all of the the resources that it takes to make a t-shirt. So once I started seeing the way other people were reacting, I was like, how how can I tell more people this? And how can I get more people aware and passionate about making ethical choices when it comes to well, fashion, but also consumer goods and other things? Um, and while there were a few um, 
sustainable fashion bloggers out there, I didn't see anybody who was a woman of color or coming from where I was as, you know, someone who not only wanted to wear sustainable brands, but also wanted to represent my culture and my identity or, you know, who came from the background that I came from. So after about a year of like being very hesitant and being very nervous, I finally just decided, you know what, I'm gonna launch this platform. I'm going to talk about the things I wanna talk about and collaborate with other people. And um, so yeah, that's where I'm at now. I launched um, my blog, which is Zarina Siklali, um, and with uh, the mission of talking about soul style and sustainability. So you started your blog while you were still in college? Uh, no, I, I launched it like in February, like this past so after, year. So after you moved out? Yeah, there. after I moved out okay, here. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Were you doing anything? Go ahead. No, go is ahead. Is this something that you had already in your mind, or was this something that when you came to LA, like you were like. Yeah, what, when oh, was the realization? When? Uh, I think like after I had lived in LA for about a year, I started seeing how many bloggers there were out there and how it was like a possibility to do something like that. I think, you know, coming, living in Mesa, it was like everybody has a nine to five and everybody has like a very traditional job. And although like my family was never like that, like my family were all artists and creatives, I still kind of felt like, oh, but I want something safe and I want something that's gonna provide me with a steady paycheck. But then when I came out here to L.A., and I think that's one of the great things about living here is that you see so many people just working on their passions. They might have a side hustle. They might, you know, be doing what they need to do to make the rent. But everybody is working on a dream. And everybody and I think, too, like you see that there's room enough for all of us. You know, it's not like it's a lot of people. Yeah, it's pretty saturated. Yeah, it's, it is pretty <laughs> saturated, but I don't see that stopping people and doing what it's they true. want to do, it's you know? True. Everyone's in the grind. Yeah, everybody's Everyone's... grinding and I call it the the creative hustler, you there know? You go. Like oh, that's nice. Yeah. So like, is that is that what you are? You're a creative hustler? I want to get there, you're you know, right? I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to, you know, get it. I still have a 9 to 5, but we got to we got to you got to eat. Yeah. We got to yeah. eat. We got to like um I just have a question cuz like I said, I've never really been outside of LA. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like LA just provided that like or do you feel like LA is just somewhere different that other, like, like example, like for you were in Mesa, right? Do you feel like other people, they don't feel like that's a possibility or think this is like a social media that's world that we're going into that's changing? Or you think it's like LA, that fact that you have a little bit of everything? I think, I think it's both, right? I think it's social media makes things really accessible and so many people can use social media to um, promote themselves and their brand. But I think being out here in LA, uh, gave me the confidence to do it because I think if I was still in Mesa, um, I wouldn't be so as supportive as I was and see like the possibilities, right? Because there's nobody really in Mesa that like um, makes a living blogging or, you know, no, I don't see it as much. So I think being in LA just gave me the confidence because so many people around me were doing creative things that I was like, I have no excuse, you know? Like, I, I have the ability, I have the energy, I have the passion, and if all these other people are doing it, then there's really no excuse for me not to, to go after the things that I want to go after. And on, and on that note, let's break it down. Let's sure. Soul, style, sustainability. Let's mm-hmm. break, I, know, I know you have a very specific um, 
reason for why you have yeah. each one. So if you want, if yeah, you want to sure. That. So soul, I just say is that's a, re- a reflection of me and who I am, um, my culture, my travels, my hopes and dreams, my experiences. Um, style is, you know, um, the idea of being, you know, fashion forward while still rocking like ethical, awesome, independent brands. And then sustainability, uh, not just in fashion, but as a movement and a lifestyle. So, you know, um, eliminating plastics from your lifestyle, um, trying to do things that are a little bit more energy efficient and um, not throwing so much away. So that's that's where that comes from. I, I, got, I got three too. My, 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 yeah. my, mine are create, connect, Disrupt. Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, disrupt is always a good oh, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned in your blog um, that you have uh, that you discovered your aesthetic. Yes. What is it? What is so, your aesthetic and how did you discover it? So that? I talk about um, in one particular blog post that I did, which was um, authenticity against appropriation. Um, I think for a long time I was kind of looking for like, what is my style, what is my flow? And I always have liked like bright colors and bold prints and that's always something I related to. And um, I always find, found myself like gravitating to uh, these kind of, you know, quote unquote tribal prints that were really bright colored. Um, and then, because I, I feel like, you know, as people of color, as brown people, we don't get to see a lot of ourselves in the, status quo, I guess I should say. So for me, you know, five, 10 years ago, seeing those kind of little tiny elements of me, I got really excited and was like, oh, this is how I'm going to represent myself. Um, But then, you know, kind of as I've gotten older and I've done more um, reflection and research and understanding about cultural appropriation and also what these quote unquote tribal prints mean to specific people, then I realized oh, I'm not really representing myself. I'm supporting this false idea of what these cultures look like. So one thing I talk about is like Aztec print. Those things aren't Aztec prints. You know, they're not actually from Aztec designs. They're just something somebody came up with and decided to call it Aztec print. So not only am I doing, you know, this representation of my culture a disservice, but I'm also supporting those people to continue doing it. You so should, you should call them out. What, yeah. What, what, what brands well, are you using? I don't what, think what, what I don't using? think that there's any one specific brand. It's everywhere. You know. Well, like I like I said, you know, at this time, like I was spending my money at Forever Twenty One and H and M and Charlotte Russe and Target and you know all of all of those cheap brands who do it consistently. But it's not any one brand's problem it's throughout the whole the whole industry I think cool but yeah so then as as like discovering like what my aesthetic was then I was like okay there's a way to do this more intentionally there's a way to allow the world to know who I am through my clothes but intentionally. So supporting brands that are Latina owned or women of color owned is a big way that I do that. Where is it really coming from? Who is the money supporting? Um, 
are they intentional in their designs? Um, and if I feel that they are, and it's like, it's like you can never really say like 100% like, oh, they are appropriating, oh, they're not appropriating. But I feel like intention from the design perspective has a lot to do with, like has a lot to do with it because that's where your money is going ultimately. There's somebody in particular that you that you that you mentioned. You, mm-hmm. you're, you said you, you have a designer mm-hmm. that you know. You, you said they got into. They were they had yeah. uh, they had an issue with a particular brand uh, that was that was stealing their. Yeah. So and this is like a huge like this is one case, but you know there are many many cases of it. Um, a good friend of mine, an amazing designer, Bethany Yellowtail. She um, launched her brand, Be Yellowtail, in 2014. That's a cool name, by the um, way. Yeah, she's That's, got a great name. I didn't know that was her last yeah, name. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a lot of people wonder, but that, that is her last name. Wow. Um, so she launched her brand, which um, was centered off the idea. So she herself is um, Northern Cheyenne and Crow from Montana. Um, she came to LA out of high school to go to FITM and study fashion. She was working in the fashion industry for a while um, before she decided to launch her own brand and what really drove her was the misrepresentation and the lack of Native American voices within the fashion industry. And I think she's, you said she's Native American? Yeah, she's she's, okay. she's Native American. She's uh, Northern Cheyenne and oh, Crow. Okay. Which are, are yeah, those Oops. are two tribes I'm, in, I'm dumb, in Montana. <laughs> I was I was um, completely unaware. Yeah, uh, misinformed. Thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, of course. You know, I that's that's what I'm here for. <laughs> what I'm, here. I'm not an academic. I'm just learning. <laughs> okay. We're all students of life. There you go. That, that's what my that's what my bio says. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, so she <laughs> um, she launched her fashion brand, which was all about um, authentically representing her people and her tribe as much as she could through fashion and using um, authentic designs that told stories and that were used in a respectful way. Um, And that made sense, right? Because a lot of the things that you see just don't make sense in terms of how they're placed or what these designs represent. So doing it very intentionally to tell these stories and and to show what Native design actually looks like. Um, And the year that uh, she launched her first collection, um, about a few months later, maybe four months later, another a designer, uh, KTZ, who's a European designer, knocked off her designs. You know, and it was and it was clear that it, it was it was the ge- geometric patterns, the shape oh, wow. of the dress. Um, you know, the the material and and the colors were a little bit different, but you can see the the similarities. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So and he and okay. she wasn't the only one that this particular designer copied. So like six months later, on, on his next fashion line. Um, he, there was like this jacket that walked down the, the runway and this Alaskan family was like, uh, this is a design that was taken from us and our people. And they actually have like a photo of like her grandfather in this like jacket that he had, and it was like exact that he copied. And the thing in the fashion industry is designers will come and say, oh, we were inspired by this. We didn't copy it. Because in fashion- What do you think they saw it? Where was it? Oh well, you know, they got a it got a lot of press. She's making a lot of headways in in a lot of different oh, media. Really? She's got so she picked was, she up by Mike. Up. She's got she, you know, today they released an article about her on LA Times. Like she 
she's getting to be more and more well-known, but I don't know how he could have saw that. Maybe he did some research on crow designs and her stuff popped up, Damn. you know? So, and it, within fashion, what people don't really realize is that you cannot trademark a design. You can't. There's no way that you can trademark a design or a pattern or... A, it's in fashion, you, there, yeah, there's no really, like... And I know, like, Manolo Blahnik has gone after a lot of designers because he's famous for painting the bottoms of shoes red, right? And he wants no other designers. What's his name? Manolo Blahnik. They're like three thousand dollars shoes, the, probably are these, more. These are re- these not the Louboutins. Is that what it is? Or no, is this different. They're some, they're different. Some, yeah. oh, oh, that's what I know. I, yeah. When I think when I I didn't yeah. know that there was more people that painted their shoes red. Yeah. yeah. I thought I thought that was just I'm clearly. But out but of touch. exactly right. Like you can't trademark it. That's why you see all these knockoff from runway designers ending up in you know not designer stores downtown it's, yeah exactly in in the alleys you can't you can't trademark it so can't trademark um, paint a but lot I, but i kind of get it though because it's kind of like how can you argue the innovative design and be like this is a trademark to it it's probably it's been, been done before and you just don't know it's never been yeah done. but isn't that kind of stifling to creativity to say like oh it's already been done before so it does like and it, it goes both ways right of course like Everybody gets takes inspiration from a lot of different things. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by something, but to take something that doesn't belong to you, and I, and I think too, one thing that to me is like really gross is when people say like, "Oh, we're trying to honor these people," and we're like, "It's so fake." Like, and I think that there's this idea that we need them to honor us. Are you gonna like, give them the money? Yeah, Are you gonna help what them are you out? Do? Are you a social enterprise? Oh, yeah. Like, um, I don't know if you guys saw this uh, Kate Spade collection that was inspired by Frida Kahlo's house. No, I have not. Yes. No so, way. Kate no Spade. Way. Like, like no, the purses? Just recent. No, like, like just recently, like this season, Kate Spade Is came it out. The, oh, very, like, uh, the purses are very, Yeah, like, they tropical. have piñata purses. Uh, no purses. way. Yes. How dare they? What? Yeah, and is, like. Uh, is it like a like a horse, like a, like a burro? Yeah, yeah, it's like a burro. No, yeah. <laughs> no. I promise you, what and it's a purse. Hell? And it's like, and it's like one of those. Is, is very it like Latino. just the, is it the, the design print, the, like the, the color no, print? No, no, no. It's it, like a, or is there it's a, a burro? piñata. <gasps> it's like the shape of a piñata. How much are these bags? Probably like $800. What the fuck? Are you you, and know, like, you I know, have, know what? For this season, I definitely have seen a very tropical, like flamingo, pineapples. But I've seen a lot of like very Latino inspired clothing, even like. Um, like the me- Mexican, like Target, like I know Target. Oh yeah, like a bunch of like the stripes embroidered and stuff. Or yeah, like that kind of colors is very like you see it more often in clothing now. Like very like rooted Mexican mm-hmm. colors, mm-hmm. It's and it's like you guys want to consume us, but then we're going, we're in this giant political climate that's like telling us you don't want us around. So it's just like. You want to consume us, but what are you going to do for us? You know, like with this whole Kate Spade collection, like I think it's beautiful. It's really nice. But uh, and, you know, like there's nothing wrong with going to Frida's house and being inspired by her. But what about working with people who live there? What about, you know, incorporating Mexican artist, like you're going to the house of the most famous Mexican artist. What about using some Mexican artists on your team to help you come up with the concepts or, you know, like using some way to, to really um, uplift the Mexican community rather than just 
take from them, you know? And, and I think that we all have to be more aware, you know, like for me, it was the same thing. I was like, oh, this represents me. This tells people who I am and what my culture is. But really, they're not doing anything for me. And when you buy into these brands. Yeah, when you buy into these brands and you allow them to find success to, like within yourself by, by supporting this, you know? I think we all just have to like raise our consciousness and be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, this is cute, but is there a Mexican brand or, you know, a woman of color or an independent brand, like someone that's really doing more intentional, more authentic work that I can support rather than just giving you my money for ripping stuff off. That's you know? right. Or, or listening to your song on Spotify when you don't even know the words. <laughs> You, I, you see that? I just, I just Wait, took it there. I just to took it to the, out. I just took it to the Biebs. Did you yeah, listen to that? Did yeah. you see that? I, did you hear that? Did you watch? Did you watch that video? I, I didn't want to watch it. Uh, no, 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 no. Did you watch the video of that 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 uh, came up on? Uh, there he was at a club. That he was like saying like rapping. So, yeah, so he was, so he was at a club. So he was at a club, and uh, he um, that I guess the song came on, mm-hmm. and so he got on the mic. But he goes on the mic and he he didn't he didn't know any of the words none of the Spanish words so yeah. his verse came up and he says he literally says despacito I don't know the words so I'm gonna say burrito yeah I don't know the words but I'm gonna say I like burritos same, or something yeah. like that it's, it's ridiculous it's, it's like ridiculous. okay we're gonna allow you to I see mean, <laughs> like I don't, you're gonna no excuse but I mean he still loves Latinas like but in he, a way to for like consumption that, but that's not the point the point is that. You're making a lot of money, money yeah. and you don't you didn't even respect it enough to learn the word. Not to say, Fonzie, not to, Luis Fonsi didn't Because Luis Fonsi's making tons of money on this shit too. He doesn't want he it doesn't benefit him. It's the first song on the Billboard charts. The Spanish song on the Billboard charts says Macarena, dude. That's the early nineties. <laughs> it's been twenty-five years since a song a Spanish song has been in a top. Like it doesn't make sense for Luis Fonsi to be like, oh yeah, he's an idiot. He didn't learn the words. He disrespected me. That d- it doesn't make sense for him to do that. I guess that's he doesn't want to get him. He doesn't want to get in the debate of being like a Latino <laughs> in the industry, and it's kind of like you're I trying mean, to make it, and then you're trying to. Luis Fonsi is a homie, but he kind of he kind of. I don't well, know, I mean, I, it's there. it's like one of those things. Like I don't think that he would have known that after the song got released that Bieber was going to release this video, you know? I don't think, he didn't release it. It, it. Well, yeah, or that it was going to come out, right. you know, that it, that this thing was going to happen. But it's it's like, you know, again, another example, if you're just like somebody wanting to like make money off of us, you, we're a powerhouse. Like Latinos, like we, ha- like, we have so much like consumer power. We're, we're the, That's we're why the all this. Buy- yeah. we're, we're the biggest buying power. Buy, as, of, buy as of like <laughs> next year, we'll be, we'll, that's just like 2020. Yeah, probably, and they know it. We, yeah. You know, all these executives and business owners and like companies, they know it. That's why they're trying to market to us, you know? So. But I think it's a cultural thing too because not a cultural thing but it kind of is because i know my mom she's very like oh well you don't know how you're gonna she's like very like you don't know how long you're gonna live like it's very like spend like live in the moment and i feel like it's i think it's a lack of awareness to be honest we're just if we were if we were if we were smarter like if we were if we were woke more woke if we knew what we're what was going on if we didn't just 
you know, buy go to Forever Twenty One because it's cheap. You know, if we didn't yeah. if we didn't just do that, maybe if we were a little bit more aware. But I think we have the power to do that now, right? We do. We do. We do. I mean, it's, I think we still need to be educated. I think the, the majority, I would say, a good percentage, a good chunk, needs to still be educated. I don't know. Oh. If I don't think we. Well, I mean, we're, we're not a very educated society. Our <laughs> government does not want us to be educated. That's why it's revolutionary that three educated Latinos are in the room talking on the table right now. You know, like. And they actually took away public funding from. Like learning finance and business in LAUSD, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Are you serious? It doesn't. What? Like, remember how um, growing up, like you had to. Take- I didn't even know financing in high school. It's not an I education. Still don't. Yeah, no, like, it's not. I don't know how to that. It's an education. They don't want us to be. Yeah, how to pay your bills, how to pay taxes, like life all skills. the things that we should we be don't learning. Know any life skills. How to save money. How to uh, how to buy a house. <laughs> that doesn't exist. It's easier to maintain a status quo when you keep the masses uneducated, you know? Yeah. That's why they pay that's why they spend more money on prisoners than they do for college students, you know? It all it all ties back to trying to keep the the status quo, the systems of power in place because if we were all educated, if we all had, you know, like this wokeness to spend our money like on the things that we should be spending our money on to avoid the things that you know, keep us oppressed to avoid like certain medias and different things. Like the world would be a different place, but it's strategic that they keep yeah. us uneducated. You know. But you know, I think we're with the nice part about today. I think we're in a time where, like, you know, you do your blogs, right? I think it's nice to be in a place where we are able to express ourselves yeah. in different mediums, like Instagram or blogs. Just because I feel like back in the day, all we had was like LA Times. We had news. We yeah. didn't have an outlet to be able to speak about our feelings or what we think we could buy. Cause I know um, there's not more brand. I feel like now when I see like shopping or things like that, there's more brands that a lot of people are starting to be interested in mm-hmm. that are probably Latino owned or like even cosmetics that are oh, owned yeah. through like disrupting. Latinos. Yeah. And I feel like now that you have social media and like, Part of it is getting education. I mean, not necessarily getting education, but but just educating yourself. There's just more yeah. information. It's just more. You have more options. You know, yeah. there's more. Educa- you, you know, you can easily ignore. You can. You have more options. You can choose where to go. You can. Yeah, I think what, social media is play. great because it allows different people to connect, different people to like read different things, to 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 learn new things. Like, I hope that's what people are getting from my social yeah. media accounts, right? I hope that people are learning about the things that I want to share with them and vice versa. I know I, I learned a ton from friends on social media who other bloggers, yeah, other, other bloggers, other, just other, yeah. other it's academics, alter, other alternative yeah. media, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not, I don't know if it's alternative media anymore because it's kind of like, it's kind of low key becoming the standard. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, and you know, it's, I mean, we, we, we watch more digital, you know, we watch Content. more stuff online than we do on TV. Yeah. yeah I don't you know? this we morning are, I watched the news and all I heard was about how four different people got shot in four different neighborhoods, Panorama, <laughs> South Central, like all you hear is like bad things. You don't really hear ever about the good things. And that's where we have the power to like kind of yeah. make a change. Like what is good is happening? Well, that's why we have a fashion blogger here so that she can educate us yes. for the stuff that we don't know. And now I, don't, now I know what type of clothes not to buy because you, you know when you, when you wash clothes... Can you tell me a bit more oh, about sure. that? Oh, sure. You want to talk about fabrics? Yes, please. Okay, so this was actually, yeah, this is actually a bit like something that was very, very new to me, something that I didn't know and that blew my mind. Um, so as of now, like today, um, a majority of our 
fabrics are are man-made synthetic fibers. So when we... What does that mean? So uh, it's it's man-made. You know, it's not natural. So natural fibers are things like cotton, silk, linen, wool, hemp. uh, hemp. Um, But after, you know, after industrialization and like the, especially, you know, the discovery of plastic, um, our world changed and the materials that things are made out of changed. And that includes fabric. So one thing I didn't know is that polyester, rayon, acrylic, nylon. These What's rayon? Where, where, where can you find an, rayon? A, a, in another synthetic. Because um, polyester, polyester is what you... Polyester like a, is the most used. Right. It's the most okay. popular. So but are, rayon you'll more. probably find on like raincoats. Um, yeah, they're very, it's a very um, water-resistant fabric. Got it. That's the shit that when you smell it, like you can, you can like it has that really strong yeah. smell that you, you kind of like, you know but it's, plastic, it's actually bad for you. Yeah. It's actually toxic. So all of these fibers, um, they're all derived from, from fossil fuels. They're all from, from either... Um, Petroleum, like polyester, I mean polyester, polyester, the rayon. the yeah rayon, acrylic, nylon. There's a bunch of them. So if you if you're looking at your label and you see what it's made out of, and if you know that it's a synthetic fi- fiber, it's most likely made from petroleum or coal. Um, so polyester, so yeah, like, you never think that you're just buying. Man, you yeah, just, you're go just to the buying it. Cotton, like, yeah, I just need clothes. Made, like, I need clothes. I, re- I remember shopping with my mom, and she was all she would always like look at at tags and be like, oh, it's not cotton, it's polyester. And I was like, well, what's a big deal? Everything's made out of polyester. I was like, oh, mom, you're such a hippie. But now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of a hippie too. And discover, like really um, understanding that those are our fossil fuels. Those are plastics. They're just simply manufactured to be very, very thin and malleable. And then they're weaved together and you have a fiber. So not only then, so you have these fabrics that are made from fossil fuels, um, and then they're treated with chemical dyes, they're treated with formaldehyde and um, different chemical treatments to make them um, brighter and shinier and water-resistant and wrinkle-free that are all toxic and pollutants. Um, And then, you know, we all know, like, what's, what's the big problem with plastic? They don't decompose. They don't decompose. They, it's not they, biodegradable. They, it's not biodegradable. So every single shirt that you've owned that's polyester um, will probably stick around the planet long after you do. They probably don't break down for like five to six hundred years like most wow, plastics. So, um, I mean a fork. If you throw away a fork, a oh, plastic it, fork... If you threw the the a fork that was thrown away when you were born is still is still. Oh, there. I I read an article that like I get a lot of anxiety about plastic, but I read an article that said every single piece of plastic that has ever been made is still in existence today. It's it's still around. Like it's not going to break down. Oh, that's as, shocking. You know. So and that's everything from every plastic fork that you use to every plastic straw that you drink out of to the saran wrap that you wrap your clo- your food in to you know the styrofoam takeout box. You know styrofoam is terrible. And to the shirts and jackets and shoes and socks that you own that you are know what's polyester. The, the stuff that you're sweating in, the stuff yeah. that you're constantly sweating in, the stuff that's seeping into your pores constantly. Mm-hmm. And the crazy part is the styrofoam is so much cheaper. I remember there was like oh, yeah. two plastic cups. There was like the kind of clear plastic cups and then there was styrofoams. Styrofoams were $1.99 and the other one was $3. I was like, damn, these are more ba- yeah. both bad. Like, So... 
So when you buy expensive, does that mean that you're buying that you're buying better? No, fabric? I don't think that. If you just buy expensive, that you're buying better. You have to look at the quality. I mean, I, I said in my my blog, like polyester is hard to escape, um, but I but you know quality is goes a long way. So um, you just and it's hard. Like I don't, I didn't study fashion, so I don't really know. Like you know what what necessarily makes one polyester different from the other, but I've learned to kind of like feel and train and kind of think to myself, okay, a fabric that I've had like this before, do they break down really easily or do they hold up better? Um, And also, you know, the way you treat your clothes, I think that that changes once you're more intentional about what you buy. Um, And am I going to wear it one time and get bored? Uh, Am I going to just throw it in the wash and then put it in the dryer and then it shrinks and then I can't wear it again, you know? So I think it's less of like, like polyester is polyester. Like it's not going to break down whether you spend $5 on it or $50 on it, but how are you, but is it going to last? Like, is it going to hold up? Is it going to, are you going to treat is, it is better? Is it worth the spending yeah, money yeah. on that and the damage that you're doing yeah. to the environment? Because that's a, the other thing that you had kind of mentioned with um, the break breaking down of, of um, polyester fabrics is that um, when you when you put these these man-made synthetic fabrics in the wash they actually break down um, and release microfibers which are tiny tiny particles of plastic um, into the waterways and they've recently discovered that they can't filter these things out um, they're microscopic Great. they're thin um, they're so going into the ocean they're going into the ocean fish are eating them. It's horrible. We're probably yeah. drinking it at some point. We're, I mean, I mean, come on. Maybe. There's no denying that we're consuming plastic. Like every, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. fish are confi- consuming it. We and are, then we're eating fish too, and the fish are. It's yeah. like a never-ending cycle of we're plastic. Just, yeah, we're killing we're, ourselves. We're just screwing yeah, ourselves. Yeah, we're, we're killing, we're killing ourselves. ourselves slowly. <laughs> but it's, a, it's not. Um, you know, just because it's happening doesn't mean that we shouldn't all strive to make a change, you know, just because we know that it's happening and that, you know, even though I try to be as sustainable and as intentional about my purchases as possible, like that doesn't mean that I'm still not creating waste and that I'm not, you know, still consuming these plastics, but that doesn't mean that we should stop, you know, like we shouldn't be complacent. We should still try as hard as we can to, to minimize our impact and, and to be intentional. Do you have any brands particularly that you that you purchase? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll plug that a few you brands. Yeah, that you think we um, should be investing in. So I love B Yellowtail. Uh, she, uh, she is the uh, Native American designer. I'm a big fan of her stuff. Um, I like brands like Reformation. Reformation does. Uh, they either these, do these online retailers. Online retailers, you okay. can find them online. Uh, Reformation does clothing out of. Um, either sustainable, eco-friendly fabrics or dead stock. Dead stock is rather than producing their own fabrics, they go to warehouses where fabrics have already been produced and buy, buy back oh, wow. stock. Oh, wow. They just buy it from yeah, other Yeah, they recycle. Wow. Like, this, essentially, because like, there, uh, there's tons of... there's So fashion houses, they like order these fabrics and then they make so much fabric pieces out of it and then whatever they don't use, a lot of times they just... It's there. It's just there. They just put it in a warehouse. So, like, rather than saying, like, oh, we're going to commission all this new fabric to be made, they say, like, we're going to buy fabric that already exists. And, and, um, but they now more so do more, um, like, natural fibers. 
Um, I'm wearing a shirt by LA Chica right now that says Viva La Latina. I like your shirt, by the way. Yeah, it's a good shirt. she is awesome. LA, LA Chica? LA Chica. It's not a sustainable... Online or... Online, yeah. Um, it's not a sustainable or ethical brand, but it is Latina-owned. Um, and is, is this poisoning you right now? <laughs> so is this poisoning you right now? Uh, it might. Maybe a little bit. It is a cotton t-shirt, but it's comfortable. You know, I'll keep it forever. Um, <laughs> as long as you're using it, right? Yeah, you know, as, as long, long as you're not going to throw it. How, wait, I was, I was going to ask you that. How do you throw away, how do you dispose of clothes? How do I dispose it, of clothes? I mean, clothes? just or in general. like I don't. best way? Yeah, okay. well, I, don't, I didn't even know. Yeah, I've always, I've always wondered you guys, that. I feel bad so throwing There's so many issues. Away. There's so many issues. Like, even with clothing donation, like, uh, okay. So, like, with clothing donation, it's, like, a huge issue, too, because people only wear their clothes an average of seven times before throwing it away or getting That's, rid of it. Seven wait, times. No way. Se- oh, yeah, seven times. No, I feel like I got this shirt a month ago and I've worn it seven times. Yeah, That's, but how many well, other? Yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> I haven't watched it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Only one I but like, I mean, I think your shopping habits might be a little different, but like... But, I, girls, I, girls, I yeah. have a lot of clothes. I yeah, and like really hard. how many times... Like, I remember back before I was more intentional about my purchases. I would just buy stuff because it was cheap and it was on sale and I would wear it one or two times and be like, oh, this really doesn't look good on me or I didn't really like it. Or or what I would do is I would be like, I'm going to buy a whole bag of clothes and then I'm going to donate a whole bag of clothes so it's equal and I'm doing good in the world. Oh, (laughs) Buy a shirt, give a shirt. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh. Just like Tom. Just like Tom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But but then... um, so last last uh, semester in one of my classes, I did a group project with some of my cohort about clothing donations. So then we discovered a lot of things like, you know, the average piece of clothing is only worn seven times before being discarded. Um, Damn, and the dope. average um, donation center, like your average Goodwill, Salvation Army, they actually only resell about 10% of your clothing. I, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Because if you go to any Goodwill, uh, like, and you see the bag, like where the donation center where you actually drop off the clothes, like it's, there's piles. And most of it is trash. I yeah. mean, most, it and, might not be trash, and, and, but and like, like they just have to sift through and they only keep the good stuff. But if it's you trash. take your clothes to Goodwill, they're not going to take it somewhere else. No, Goodwill dude. isn't going to take it somewhere no, else. No, they're, 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 they're just going to throw it away. It. Or they're, they're, they're going to keep it. But, but then here's the other thing too, right? If I can go to Goodwill and spend $10 on a pair of used jeans or I can go to Forever 21 and spend $10 on a pair of brand new jeans, what is the consumer going to pick? The brand new ones? The brand new ones, right? So people don't, like there there are vintage shoppers, there are people who thrift, but, but that's a niche, right? That's a, a niche. Very, like, I mean, that's a lifestyle type yeah, of thing. Yeah, so on average, 10, only 10% of clothes gets resale, reselled at Goodwill. The, majority, the rest of the clothes, um, a lot of it gets uh, sold to third-party vendors who then take these used clothes and sell them in countries in Africa or countries in Latin America or countries in Southeast Asia. That's why you see these overwhelming number of people in those countries wearing used clothes. And then that goes back to the disruption of local industries and people not wearing their traditional stuff or supporting local businesses because they get all this clothes for free, um, all this American clothes donations. for free, donations. Um, but eventually, regardless of where it goes to first, it all ends up in the same place, the trash. It's going to end. You know, you know like re- regardless, feels. it's all going to end up in landfills. So, um, so for me... Um, I try now not to donate my clothes. I try to keep everything that I own because if I know somebody's going to wear it, I know it's going to be me. I spent my money on it. I have to take responsibility for the things that I purchase. Um, And then 
Um, if you have to donate your clothes, if it doesn't fit anymore, um, I recommend donating to um, shelters, like directly to you know shelters, battered women shelters, uh, foster children homes, um, places like that that actually have a need and not goodwill and not goodwill. Or, or you yeah. can make it into a purse, like you have a shirt. Yeah, you can read. Re- you know, re- I've, I've seen a lot, not a lot of people, a lot of DIY upcycle. projects. Are like, there you upcycle. Go. Upcycle. I know that another a, thing. That's what it's called. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know another yeah. thing too. Though it's like my mom. She'll take. She's from El Salvador, so she'll take a lot of. Um, because the cost of clothes over there is yeah. so much expensive, so taking it back to their home countries. Yeah. So, but like, if, like, if you there... know where it's gonna go, then by all means, you know what I mean. Like by all means, if you know that, it, that your this clothes is gonna go to people who are gonna wear it. But um, if if you don't know where it's gonna go, then I I recommend you know finding somewhere where it can get a second life to somebody in need rather than a goodwill where you don't know if somebody's gonna gonna repurchase it or reuse it. I never trusted Goodwill. I know. <laughs> what about out market. of the closet? Um or any other those thrift stores. Well it's like it's like it's the same, same thing. thing. You yeah. know, like yeah, like like out of the closet I think is great because they have a social mission. I believe that they are a social enterprise. They help like, you know, LGBTQ people. Goodwill isn't. Okay. So that's the thing with Goodwill is that Goodwill is a nonprofit. Mm. Um, so they're a nonprofit, and their mission is to help homeless people get jobs. Um, so I'm sure that they do that. I don't know how well they do that, but their mission is not to solve the clothing donation issue. Their mission is not to find a second life for so your it, home. It has something. It's completely something completely different. Yeah, yeah. you know, they, they, it's just. They need an excuse to and be. A, they need a reason to be a nonprofit. And the people that they give jobs to, they're minimum wage jobs. You know, like, like great, yeah, you're giving somebody minimum wage, but in California, is that really gonna help them make a living? <laughs> you know, so and like the CEO makes like millions and millions of, of dollars, yeah. like as, you know, as, as CEO, CEO does. Of any yeah. Does. So it's it's a it, like there's good and bad in everything, but. For me personally, I have made the choice like no longer to take my used goods there. I'll try to find a try to repurpose them or give them like one thing that's great, I think that you like your listeners out there could do um, is like host a clothing exchange with your friends. Um, I know a lot of clothes I get second hands from my homies. I know a lot of my friends like my clothes. So sometimes like just doing a clothing exchange because then you you're let go. Yeah, I think Look like all those apps too. I yeah, feel like maybe those will help too. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. I, I haven't really shopped like ThreadUp or any of those things, but um, I think that you know just just find a better alternative that works for you. Just try to pre- try to avoid throwing it away. Yeah, as best as that, that's my that's my cue. You know, like I bought it for me. I know it fits me. I know that it's my style. So I'm gonna try to keep it, even if it doesn't. You know, and we all see this trends go back and forth all the time. Like. It might be old. Hey, we're gonna get shoulder pads. You're coming back. <laughs> Probably. You know, we had we had crushed velvet and silk dresses this year. It was like the '90s all over again. So we Ooh. might we might get some shoulder pads. Body back. suits. Body suits. Jellies. Yeah, it's those true. did make a comeback. Yeah. My sister said she used to have someone. She was a little kid. Yeah. I saw him. I just went to Outfitters because one of my friends was going there, and I was like, "Wow, uh, Urban Outfitters makes a lot of money for a lot of like." Like their brands, I'm just like, wow, this costs this much money. Like, but then okay, so like that's the other thing that I think needs to shift, right? Our conversation with how much clothes costs is like, like, oh, like 
this is so expensive for that. But you have to think about like, look at all the labor that goes into it, right? So the way that retail markup works is that, um, so the, the price that you're seeing is a retail markup. That's marked up from the wholesale price. Mm-hmm. That's about a 50% markup. So you, so you look at that markup and you say, okay, 50% of this was a wholesale cost. Okay, that 50%, uh, the wholesaler probably bought it 50% from, from the source, right? And then you look at that source and you're like, okay, that included manufacturing and labor and uh, cut and sew and yeah. all of these different places. So it's like, like, if I'm buying a pair of jeans for $10 from Forever 21, you I can mean, guarantee that the person who sewed that was only less. 10 cents maybe an hour. You know, like the the markup on retail is extreme. So it's like, how do you know this I nowadays? I think it, it's also too you have you have to ask those questions. Like, if you're buying from a brand, you have to like, where do they give you some kind of transparency? That's one thing that is really missing. Is like, there's not a lot of transparency. But there are some brands that like are offering more transparency because people now are asking these questions. So if you have a brand that you love, like I encourage you to ask them, who makes your clothes? Where is this getting made? Do you know how much they're getting paid? How much of how much of this percentage that I'm paying for it goes goes to the workers? And it's like. I think those things will never be clear until we start asking those questions as consumers. And there are some brands that are doing it. So um, one brand that I like too is Everlane. They're also an I've online, yeah, they're I've also an them, online yeah. retail, and their whole thing is radical transparency. So if you go into their website and you click a particular item, they show you the breakdown. They're, they're, this is how much material Everlane? costs. Yeah, Everlane. Everlane. They're, they're based yeah. up uh, in San Francisco, right? Yes, yes. I believe so. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've, I've heard of them. Yeah, they yeah. Have, they're so, coming up. They're, yeah, they're getting so, really popular. So it's like, it's hard because not everybody will give you that. And even like the, the clerks at the store don't have that information. They don't even know. They don't even know. But I think it's like when you're looking at the price of your clothes, that's something you have to consider is like, if something is marked $10 and you know for sure Someone got paid that somebody's that. working in a sweatshop, right? You know, and I'm not saying that like just more expensive clothing is um, better inherently because it's more expensive but the markup is probably more because the materials cost more their labor costs more and different things like that it's true yeah. it makes sense I, I understand are we yeah. are we vouching for urban or no i'm not vouching for <laughs> urban no I mean, but, no but i'm vouching for i'm, I'm vouching, vouching for not letting price dictate what you buy Asking the right question. Yeah, I don't buy urban so it's Yeah, cool. I don't. I don't I'm either. Just, so just, just, I think curious. they're like the worst cultural appropriators. Oh yeah, sure. definitely. Oh man, are. what is bohemian? Can you can you tell me what bohemian uh, is? Because I know you love that word. I don't know. I think bohemian is just like for your cultured. Yeah, <laughs> quote unquote cultured spree like your Coachella. Your your your. your, your <laughs> Your free spirit brought to you by capitalism. Awesome. That's what I would say Bohemian Money. is. Yeah. Money. Yeah. yeah. Pay me. 
<sighs> Damn. It's a lot. It's a lot of topics to touch. And like. Yeah, but um, if you guys go to my blog <laughs> and read up on it, we're going to be talking about a lot of different issues. So you can, can read more on different issues in fashion. And, and What are some of the things we should be looking forward to? Um, so there's a lot. I feel like I'm just getting started. And every day, like, it's so funny because when I first started, I'm like, am I really going to have that much to talk about? And now I'm like, oh, wow, there's so much more to talk about. So, yeah, I'm going to continue this conversation about... Um, fast fashion industry and how you can make more ethical choices in fashion, but also how you can reduce waste in your home. How can you um, have a more plastic-free lifestyle, which I'm all about. Um, how you can travel authentically and support local industries rather than supporting American-owned industries. But also, like, I know, like, when... One thing I hate is like when people go to Mexico and they go to Cancun and they stay at the Hilton, which is an all-inclusive resort, and you're like, you're basically in America. Yeah, you are. You're not yeah. even and in not Mexico. Even, not really. Yeah, it's, yeah, you're paying everything in dollars. Yeah, too, exactly. Right? So, yeah, and you're paying in the companies that the companies that that give you the all-inclusive stuff. They're all they're all American. Yeah, so they're exactly. American that went over so, there and started a business. Traveling authentically and having like real experiences where you go. I, I'm a world traveler. I love to do that. So um, I also, you know. So, Never do all inclusive. Is that what you I mean, think? like if if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. Sometimes but it's cheaper. Sometimes it's yeah, drive out and go get the tacos. Yeah, drive out and go get the tacos. If you're gonna buy stuff, don't buy stuff at the gift store. Go find a tienda and like bring back stuff from your homies. And you get know? ripped off over there. Yeah. But at, least, at least you know where that money. Yeah, is. exactly, exactly. So, but I think you can do that locally here too. Definitely. You know what? That money helps like a a family member. Yeah, like you don't know what their life story and it's like. He's hustling. Buying, He's like, hustling out there. That's my whole thing. Is like. Where is my money going? Who am I supporting with the things that I'm buying? Like, like, is it a small business or is it a big corporation? Like, you know, I can't say that I always buy stuff that are made from sustainable companies or from organic fibers, but I can tell you that I always support a small business. I don't go into like big businesses, like big chains and, and buy clothes from there. I'd rather go to like, a mom and pop shop or, you know, boutique owned by a girl and her mother or something like that and give them my money rather than buying somewhere where my money doesn't even touch somebody that I... You can change their life. Yeah, you know. So I think, I think it's like a lot of different things. Like we can all do small things to um, make a big impact. And that's what I really want my readers and my followers to, to see is that it's not about some changing your whole entire lifestyle and, you know, being super hippie dippy and, you know, like only wearing hemp clothes. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's, you can do that. Like that's great if that's, you know, what you do, but it doesn't have to be something that changes your whole life. It just has to change your mindset and how you approach things and where you spend your money. True. I feel like I learned so much about clothes today. Cool, I'm glad. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, kind of end it. Uh, yeah, to close out the, the episode, uh, yeah, it, any recommendations you have? What are you into? What are you, into, what are you doing right now? What are, uh, anything that you want to, any events like you want to plug? Is there a show that you want to watch? Oh, there watching? is an event I'd love to plug. Absolutely. Okay, so my girl, Be Yellowtail. Um, we have a pop-up boutique in Los Angeles next week. So she mostly does her um, clothing exclusively online, but you can come to an event next 
next weekend, it's going to be Friday through Sunday. I'm going to pull up the address right it's now. It's next week? Next week. Hopefully uh, this is up by then. <laughs> I'm hoping this is up I by know, then. I know. So we, might, we might not make it, but okay. we'll, we'll, if anything, well, we'll it'll be. Wait, wait, does she do this a lot? Is she from based in LA She's right based now? in LA. Yeah. She's she, she, all online right now. Right? Um, yeah. Her retail space is all online right now. So I'll just plug her website. It's www.bellotail.com. And then you guys can check out my website. It's www.zarina, Z-A-R-I-N-A, Siklali, C-I-T-L-A-L-I.com. So, yeah, check those out. Keep in touch. And hopefully we see you guys around. Awesome. Vero, you got anything? I think we're just getting more woke. And I think we're in a time of this administration politically that we're starting to realize, like, yo, there's so much we can do to make changes and we're trying to figure out solutions. So yeah. I think we're in a time where if we're not united, like we, we're not going to get anything done. And I think this is a time to be like woke and united. Mm-hmm. I dig it. That's it. That's all I got on my mind. Cool. I, uh, I got just TV shows. Have you seen Master of None? Yes. I have. The new season. First Love season, it. yes, not second. Have you seen, oh, the, oh my God. Second season so great. Good. You should watch it. It was so, I don't like the way it ended. Because it just—I didn't realize that it was the last episode. I haven't yeah. finished. I didn't know it, but it was so good. I, but Aziz just kills it all the time. If you guys aren't watching Game of Thrones, you have I six haven't. weeks to watch six seasons not. before season seven. But that's comes not the last out. season, right? There's going to no. be one more season. Yeah. I think I'm going to wait till the next season because I because I don't want to have to wait. You're going to have to wait a long time. What am I watching? A year, right? Uh, Isn't it coming back? I don't right know time? if your listeners know this yet, but I heard that. Season eight got pushed back to 2019. Oh. So is it that good? Uh, it's, it's pretty. I, I mean, it's, it's, besides The Walking Dead, it's probably that the, the, no, the one's a top show. No way! It's not though. It's not though. It's not. Though. Oh, even, and if you even guys your boyfriend's over there looking like no, it's not. Like, no, walking, he knows. No, he knows. Walking Dead. Yeah, oh, he no walk, Game no, of Thrones. Get out of here, man. <laughs> oh, and if you guys are watching Jane the Virgin yet, I love Jane oh the Virgin. God, that's my, my that is my that's, that's our shit. I'm Team Ralph, but I mean, I'm t- I'm I have my Michael over here. So. I am no, team no, I'm sorry. I th- I, no, no, sorry. I'm Team Michael. Yes, but, there you but, go. But but I always knew that. I always I know that it's gonna. I know how it's gonna end. We already know how it's gonna end. But I got my Michael over there, so I'm Team Michael. Also, Orange is the New Black, the new season, came out today. Yeah. So are you into it? Do you watch it? I was so into it. The third, the last season, uh, it didn't super excite me. What? It was so good. I'm that pussy so episode here. was the best. I'm just here for Jackie Cruz and Diane Guerrero. Like, I am fucking here for them. I love them. They're amazing. I will follow them through the ends of the year. J- Jackie Cruz is? Uh, Flaca. Flaca, okay. And, Ma- cool, cool. and Maritza. Uh, Ma- yeah. Because uh, she's also on Jane the Virgin. Yeah, she's also on Jane. I'm here for them. I just uh, love them. And um, I've met Jackie had, Cruz. She wrote, a, she wrote a book, too. She's yeah. Re- she's going to be in, in I think she's going to be I think she's doing the film or the or oh the show oh she's doing a TV show right yeah, right yeah. okay cool, but I yeah. will say I met Jackie Cruz oh really and she's so sweet does she really do her eyebrows no no no, 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 no no but she's super fly oh really like, she's super fly Damn. but I love her I'll follow her I'm, to the end I'm like my dream girl squad is Gina Rodriguez Jackie Cruz and Diane Guerrero like, that makes sense that, that, that makes would sense. be a team. once I get I, to I think that might be mine too that's where I will know I made it like when you see pictures of me with them on my Instagram and them? I'm chilling with they're them the I will have like, made it that, they're the new Taylor Swift squad wow Taylor who I don't know who Taylor is Taylor who I don't know, but yeah, right. that's it. Well, that's thank you, thank you so much. Thank you this for is, having me. Is, I hope you had fun. I did. All right. All right. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey everyone, if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars. That's five stars, please. We want to make sure we can keep coming back. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Talk. 